Abba Yahweh, the sharing of your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom to my brothers and sisters to uplift, encourage, edify, to help them to be strong, bold, and upright in your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, Father God, and to seek your truth, knowledge, and wisdom in your word all the time, to see your love through your word. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakletos Aman. Brothers and sisters, I've shared with you before already that that the Bible is our instruction manual, and there's a lot of things that require instructions through the course of our life. The DMV provides materials so that you go out and you learn how to be in obedience to the rules of the road. Many people don't even read it, and you can see that out there every day. Architects, they draw up plans and schematics. They have designers and those people that come in and, and put the schematics of the building in place so that people, when they're starting to build on that, they know where the electricity goes, they know where the plumbing goes, and they know where the sprinkler system is supposed to go for the high-rises for the apartments. If a pilot, a learning pilot or a new pilot, doesn't pay attention to the instruction and he doesn't take and study the manuals and the steps and procedures that they have. He's not going to be able to take off the airplane or the helicopter the way it's supposed to be. Um, he's going to miss out on certain switches that he has to flip, different things of that nature. And if you don't follow the map, you're, you're going to get lost. Brothers and sisters, there was a time, believe it or not, there was no such thing as a GPS. When I was driving 18 wheelers, I made it border to border, coast to coast, and I had a map. I had a road map, road atlas, and I had to pay attention to that. It was a really good one. I, I got the best one ever made because it showed restricted routing because for 18 wheelers, there were some highways and some routes within states and around cities that an 18 wheeler couldn't travel on. And if you got caught on one of those roads, it could be a very severe, steep penalty. And if that was the case, then you had to pay for it out of your pocket and the company wouldn't cover or reimburse that because you failed to follow instructions. You failed to follow the guide. When you only read the Bible in part and partial and you pick and choose what you're going to read out of here and you take things out of context because you're not reading the whole thing together, this is an instruction manual that Abba Yahweh, our Father, maker of all things made, provided for us to guide us through life. He also provided a guide to help us in that and where to go and where to study. And that is in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we can pray to the Holy Spirit and ask for guidance and teaching. He helps me all the time. Brothers and sisters, I was, you know, it's quite early in the morning, but you know what? The Spirit was leading me through some of these things, through all that's going on around us. Um, and I had a person, I was trying to share some things about uh, our enemy, the devil and his minions. Well, they didn't want to hear it. Well, that's, that's focusing on the devil, and that's focusing and giving him glory, and we shouldn't do that. Well, you know what? That's poppycock. What that's providing is information about the enemy, and it's also in the instruction manual, because Jesus Christ described the minions and the enemy as a lion 
crashing around in the bush to discourage people and seeking whom he may devour. Jesus also described his minions as wolves. Peter described him as a lion. And I've shared with you before that if you hear in the night a roaring lion, oh my gosh, it is, it's, it's absolutely, can be terrifying if you don't know what it is. It's, it's horrendous. And when they go out and they hunt at night, the pride goes out. They can smell the prey. And what they do is they know that it's hiding and they can't quite find it. So what they start doing is they start roaring and it's all around. And what happens is these, these hinds or these antelope or whatever that are hunkered down in fear because they also smell the lions and they hear the lions. And when they start roaring in fear, they get up and bolt away. Oftentimes, brothers and sisters, we when we get fearful, remember, God doesn't mind us being afraid if we turn to him and ask for guidance. That's okay. But when you become fearful, then you start allowing that to drive your actions, reactions, <clears throat> and what you do, not by accordance of the instruction manual, but according to being afraid and frightened and discouraged, dismayed, not being of good courage, and generally what happens? We run away from the very place that we should be running to. <clears throat> In the first letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, he's talking about at the church of Ephesus that there, there are a couple individuals there that are have separated the church into factions. And he admonishes Timothy, <clears throat> pardon me, and as he took him, and he describes Timothy as being his own son. He says, Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. <clears throat> Pardon me. Well, what was happening is these other individuals were teaching a doctrine one side, and then the other person was teaching doctrine another way. And what it was doing, it was causing strife within the body of Christ in the church at Ephesus. And Paul was trying to exhort Timothy to stay faithful and to make sure that no other doctrine except that that is in the Bible, in the instruction manual, is taught and he was to take charge of that. And in the things that are going on in the world around us today, it also says that, that in Second Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. I've shared with you before, brothers and sisters, that the mind is the weakest point of attack and the enemy knows that. <clears throat> and he sends his minions to get in there and plant those seeds, <clears throat> the seeds of weeds, pardon me. Well, the devil knows that. And I've shared with you before that it doesn't matter what your intellectual prowess might be. You could be a science genius but in saying that, brothers and sisters, there were those that had problems. 
Jonathan Nash, a brilliant mind, a fantastic mathematical wizard, but he had mental issues. He had some serious issues, and the demons would come and torment him. Einstein had issues. Oppenheimer had issues. King David had issues. Go to the Psalms and read through the Psalms. Many of the Psalms that you read that David wrote as notes and letters and songs of worship to God spoke of those things. He was a mighty king, but he had issues. The demons would come. But the important thing of it is that he would always come back to his strength, and that was God. And just like Paul wrote, in my weakness is your strength. God doesn't want us to be perfect. He doesn't want us to be all-powerful biblical bodybuilders. I mean, that would be great, but the point of it is that God knows we're not perfect. He doesn't mind that. He just wants us to come to him when we need help and guidance. It's why he provided the Holy Spirit as our guide. In the second epistle that Paul wrote to Timothy, and he wrote in this, and he told he's telling Timothy, we can go in 210. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul was going through some hellacious times himself, but he was not going to give up his preaching and his sharing. 90% of what Paul wrote he was imprisoned, he was in chains, or he was under house arrest and ultimately killed. And he knew that time was coming, but he would not stop sharing the word. Brothers and sisters, I want to have that strength and endure that, and I pray mightily that we would all be that way. God calls us to be stalwart, upright, Bold Christians. Do not step down in cowardice, aside in compromise, and don't be confrontational. You don't have to be confrontational to be a strong Christian. Be upright, bold, but be righteous in it. Things anger me, but I have to be righteous in my anger. I believe I am, and if I start to slide outside of that, I'm told. The Holy Spirit talks to me and he brings me back in line. But when I share things with you, brothers and sisters, it's because I have approval from God our Father and the Holy Spirit gives me reign to share these things with you. Just like I shared already that there are those out there that are just lying to the people. And that's what angers me most. Not the individual, not the persons. You have to understand that. We have to pray for everyone. I pray for them. I pray for the healing of this nation. I pray for the churches to repent and stand up and be bold in their faith. Sadly, there are many that are not. Why do you think that our government is in the shape that it's in? 
and has been for quite a long time because they have eliminated prayer in near everything they do. They don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. They don't have any kind of quiet time to offer to God. There were times where nothing happened in Congress, Senate, or in the Oval Office or the State of the Union. It did not start anything until prayer was given and the Pledge of Allegiance and you know, which is kind of a sideline, but the important thing, they always started with prayer. And they don't do that anymore. They don't turn to the church. They don't go for guidance. And part of that is because, quite honestly and truthfully, there are those that have stepped down or stepped aside. Compromised. Compromised the word of God. And... Further, in the second epistle of Timothy, in verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And when Paul writes that dividing the word of truth, that means that we're supposed to share the truth, the word of God with others. Throw those seeds out. You might not see the fruition from them, in your lifetime, or that person may have disappeared, but that you don't know what takes place in that person's heart. You've planted the seed. You've done that. There are some that have disappeared and I haven't seen for a while, but I've also had come back and say, hey, I remember when you prayed with me on this and that was really important. And then they started going to church. That's not tooting my own horn, brothers and sisters. I'm just telling you that it happens. The seed is planted, and they may go off for a while and then come back and say, man, I remember when that happened. That was so good. And further in verse 16, but shun profane and vain babblings, for thy, they will increase unto more ungodliness and their word will eat as to the canker of whom is Hyvinius and Philetus. Philetus. Those are the two that were in the church of Ephesus that were going at it, preaching one doctrine on one side and changing the doctrine to the other side, divided the congregation into factions and they were warring with one another arguments going on and it was all in vanity it was vain gossip and they were backstabbing one another brothers and sisters we are not to do that we are to stand upright and be bold in our faith in God I'm going to go over now in the book of Proverbs I uh, the spirit brought me to a couple of things. And in Proverbs 28, 2, for the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. What does that translate to? That translates to um, those that are not following righteous teaching or being upright, righteous, truthful, honest. 
they're princes, and princes, I've shared with you before, that you have kings and princes, the Bible speak for presidents, and in some countries, kings, and the princes are the governors or the regents, mayors, those are the princes. And there are many because people get tired of one lying, so then they get another one, and that one's lying and going on about it. But if you have someone that speaks truth with understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. So that person stays put. Sometimes they're targeted, but they stay put and they stay longer. They get reelected. People like them because why? They're honest, they're truthful, they're upright, they're bold, they're courageous, and they take things that are meant to be good for everyone, and they make sure that that happens. And in 28, verse 20, a faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. So if you're in a hurry to get all the toys so that you can be that man or woman that says, hey, I got the most toys, so I win. Well, usually that's not done with that help from someone else or, uh, unfortunately, in dishonest dealings. I mean, you have many wealthy individuals out here, and some of them, unfortunately, have gotten on. And they've said, oh, yeah, I'm a self-made. You know, I did this and I did that. And I grew up, you know, a pauper, poor. But then I did that. Well, wait a second. There is not a man or woman on the face of this planet that is self-made. I declare that and that's truth. Why is that truth? Because at the very beginning, they might have borrowed $10, $5. Somebody gave them something and they went on. I met a real-life, actual, not a paper millionaire. There's a difference between an actual millionaire and a paper millionaire. Paper millionaire being one that has to get the, uh, the president of the bank, the vice president of the bank, his CPA, his accountant, and all these people have to sign documents saying that he can take a million dollars out of his account. But essentially what that million dollars is, is a loan. I met an actual, real-life, genuine, honest-to-goodness millionaire, and it was his own money. He didn't need to have all these people sign anything for him. If he walked into a bank and he gave him his identification in a letter, he said, I want to withdraw $200,000 cash. They do one verification phone call, and he'd have $200,000 cash money. He could even do that up to a million dollars. The guy was very, very wealthy. But the thing that was really great about this guy, he was also very humble. He was a kind man. I, I did tile setting with my, my buddy and, and his partner at this man's house. He was humble. He was kind. He was quite generous. And then we also did some work for a paper millionaire. He wasn't innocent. He was mean. He was nasty. He was vicious. And he didn't care two shakes for the people that were doing his contract work for him. He, he didn't care anything about them. But the point is, brothers and sisters, that there are individuals. And if they're faithful to getting the money and making all they want as fast as they can, 
They're not going to be innocent about it. They're not going to be kind. They're not going to be a very generous person. And there is no such thing as a self-made. And in chapter 29, verse 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, and when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Brother and sister, you see what's going on around us right now. What do you think is going on? You think that these individuals are wicked or not kind, and they're looking for to themselves their arrogance? Yeah, I think that's the case. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, there is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth his son, and there is nothing in his hand. As he came forth of the mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. So, when you get all the toys, and you have the most toys, and you win, and then you have, you're called to leave this plane of existence, are you going to take it with you? I've shared this with you before. You can't pack it in a truck and a U-Haul and drive up to the gates of heaven and say, look, I, I did all this stuff when I was down there and I, I want to put it someplace. We can put it in, in heavenly storage. Well, it doesn't work that way. And that was all yours. It was done with vanity anyway. Did you remember that God provides everything? And did you worship God at all while you were making all that? And as fast as you could, you were trying to do it as fast as you could? I have my doubts. And I also want to remind us, brothers and sisters, it's very important that it's very, very important. Um, In Isaiah... 12.2 Behold God is my salvation I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song and he also has become my salvation therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation and that's important brothers and sisters Jesus Christ remembered the woman at the well the Samaritan woman. He said, I offer living waters. They that come to me shall never thirst. Brothers and sisters, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've shared with you about my circumstances. God provides so much for me. I just, I can't express enough and I I just can't. He is such a good father. And this is so, so awesome. And in the book of Isaiah, again, 
in Isaiah 22, 22-22, it talks about Jesus. This is a description of Jesus. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. When David was king, he had a man. He was the key keeper. Every door that had a lock in the palace, every vault that had a lock in the city, storehouses, granaries, the wine presses when they locked them up, or if they were locked, This man had the key. The keys to the kingdom. This is where that saying comes from. People don't even understand that. They they say that. And and I mean, it's a kind of a cool saying. My one trekking company that I work with, I had a a driving partner, which was incredibly hard because I always driven solo for so long. And then for the uh, just about two years that I worked for this company, We had what we used to call the keys to the kingdom. We drove all over this country. And we had uh, the company that we were driving for. It had contracts. And those contracted businesses offered up a key to a lockbox that was attached to the door. And inside that lockbox was a key to get into where we had to make our delivery. We, there was nobody there, nobody working. My partner and I had to do all the loading and unloading all by ourselves. And we had keys to the kingdom. East coast to West coast. We had businesses in nearly every single state. And we had the keys to the kingdom. And that's where that comes from. David's key keeper. The man had the keys to the kingdom. But this is important too because it's a description of Jesus Christ. And that is because what he shall shut, no one can open it. And when he opens it, it cannot be shut because he is the strength, the provider. And that way, if it's done righteously through God, and Jesus Christ provides, God provides, it can't be undone. God says, this is a righteous action. I'm going to do it for my child because I love this child. They've asked this and I am going to give it. And it can't be taken away. There will be those that will try, but in the heart, it can't be taken away, brothers and sisters, because it's already a done deal. And, you know, I'm sharing these things. If you look at what's going on around us, these are all relative. They're all relevant. And it's all truth. I'm going to share some more with you. And... 
I'm going to read in Isaiah 28, starting with verse 14. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was the capital of the nation. So you can transpose this by whatever country you live in. And I've done that in the Bible with some things. And I use USA or America. I put that in there, but you have to understand that what they're talking about is a capital the rule is people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death. And with hell are we in agreement. When the, oh, when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we bid, hid ourselves. You can't make a deal with the devil. He's a liar, he's corrupt, he's an accuser, and he doesn't like many at all. All he is interested in is destruction and getting those to follow him so that they would perish. Remember, brothers and sisters, that's not dying. That's eternal separation from God. And why does he want that so bad? Because he knows what God is offering to us. He was there. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the water shall overflow the hiding place. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be trodden down by it. From that time that it goeth forth, it shall take you. For morning by morning shall it pass over, by day and by night. And it shall be a vexation only to understand the report. For the bed is shorter than that a man can stretch himself on it. And the covering narrower than he can wrap himself in. For the Lord shall rise up and in Mount Perzium. He shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. God is a mysterious God. You've heard the term. I'm certain that some or many have heard the term that God works in mysterious ways. His ways are higher than our ways, brothers and sisters. They are a mystery because we can't understand. We can't even begin to try to understand God. 
unless he provides the knowledge and the wisdom. Not going to understand it. And even then, because we have a finite mind, we can't do it without him. And that's what he's talking about here, the mysteries of God. But in that passage, in that scripture reading, you make your bed, now you have to lay down in it. All these things that you did out of haste, you tried to make deals, and you did these things without taking into consideration anyone else except self. And we are told that we have to be not selfish, but selfless. But these individuals that are being talked about in these passages are not that. Even in Paul's letter to Timothy, those two individuals, they weren't considering the brothers and sisters in the, in the church. They were not even thinking about that. What they were thinking about is vanity of self and that they were in charge and they had this group was on this side and that group was on that side and they were at odds with one another. They didn't care. Paul calls us to be of one mind, one thought, one doctrine, and that is the truth that God put in his word, his guidebook, his instruction manual. And, and I'm, I'm actually, I have such righteous indignation for this individual. It, and, and when I hear this guy speak, it just makes me very angry. I haven't gotten confrontation or anything, but I just pray for this guy and that the truth would come and that the Holy Spirit would grab onto his heart. But if he's got a hardened heart and a stiff neck, he's not going to turn anything. But to declare it to be the Christian thing to do, to follow the lies of mammon and to do something that was not intended of God, but declaring that it's the right thing to do if you're a good Christian, playing on people's hearts, tugging on their heartstrings and trying to ply the guilt, which is what is going on around out there with everything that goes on. They try to make people feel guilty about them doing something and getting them onto their side, which is exactly what they was going on at the church of Ephesus. Isaiah 33, the Lord is exalted for he dwelleth on high. He hath Filled Zion with judgment and righteousness and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. We're not, ta we're talking about auspicious fear, brother and sister. We're not talking about, oh, here comes God, run for cover. Not that kind of fear. Auspicious fear, knowing that he is sovereign. And he has the might and all these things that he's created and all. Auspicious fear. Sometimes in the thunderstorms and all, and I'm standing outside watching the lightning and hearing the thunder, I get a little trembling going on, but it's not that I'm afraid of any of that. It's an auspicious wonderment that I have for the might of God, the maker of all things made. How powerful is my God.
And in Isaiah 33:22, he declares, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Have I not commanded thee to be of good courage? Be not afraid nor dismayed, for I, thy Lord, thy God, am with you whithersoever thou goest. It's awesome, brothers and sisters, that God is with us all the time. If God is for us, who or what can possibly be against us? Nothing. Nothing. And he is, he is such a good, good father. A good, good father. A loving father. And Isaiah also talks about some of these things that I see going on around us in these individuals when they do. And they have not cried unto me with their heart. When they howled upon their beds, they assembled themselves for corn and wine, and they rebel against me, or rebel against me. <clears throat> that is talking about vanity and self-worth. They wrap themselves in everything that they have. You got to remember that um, wealth back in those days was uh, not how much coinage, but how much commodity you had to be able to trade corn camels wine you had a good uh, a good thing you could trade for anything you needed and that's what's what I say is talking about here they don't pray to God they don't open their heart up to Lord God they don't pray to him it's all in vanity and self-worth about what they have and what they did and that they all did it on their own. Well, they didn't. And when the disciples came, I jumped over here to Matthew. Over in Matthew 18, at the same time, the disciples came unto Jesus saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as a little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's important, brothers and sisters, because children, small children, although being born into a broken world, a sinful world, they are born without guile. A small child will testify the truth. That's why they say out of the mouth of babes come gems. A child will tell you exactly like it is and what they see. And they tell the truth. Where they learn guile from, how to cheat, lie, and deceive is from either the adults around them or older siblings that are allowed to do that thing and then they teach the younger how and sometimes they learn just by watching but they're taught that thing 
And this is what Jesus was telling the disciples, not like all those others that I was reading to you about, those that are vain and all puffed up and full of themselves and of no one else. You have to have and be and have the heart of a child. I can remember my brothers used to get me into some, boy, they got me into some stuff. And I'd be up on the roof, shouldn't have been on the roof, but I wanted to be up on the roof because my brothers were on the roof. I wanted to be with them. I wanted to do what they did. And then what did they do? Stinkers. They left me up there by myself. And they took the ladder down. I didn't know how to get down. I'd be on the edge of the roof. My dad came out and he couldn't find the ladder, but he stood down there underneath. He said, jump, I'll catch you. I looked to the side, either side, and I was a little bit afraid, but I slid off and I jumped. My father caught me. God does that, brothers and sisters. He catches you. You have to have that faith. When we would go to the, uh, down to the pool and he would have me jump off the side of the swimming pool into his arms, don't worry, I have you. I'll catch you. I did. And then I didn't find, find out until I was a uh, swim instructor for the Marine Corps. <laughs> I didn't find out that my father couldn't swim. I had to teach my father how to swim. Oh, my goodness gracious. And there I was, that kid, jumping off the pool. Why? Because my father said, jump, I'll catch you. Personal analogy, but I mean, that's what God tells us to do. Trust me. Have faith in me. I'm your father. Jump, I'll catch you. The detour is the road. That's the way I need you to go. That's the way I want you to go. Don't worry about what's around that bend. I've been up there already. It's okay. I've been there. I'll guide you. I am with you. Wherever you go, I am there. So, brothers and sisters, it's important that we have that faith. And it's important that we do that. And Jesus made that note to us that we have to have that faith. And we have to just be able, when when God tells us to jump, that we do that. You know, the, uh, there's a, an old adage, we took a leap of faith. They didn't know what to do, but they were going to try it anyway. And if they became successful, then that would be good. And if they didn't, then that would be good. And they weren't sure that they were supposed to get married, but they took a leap of faith because they believed in each other and it worked out wonderfully. That leap of faith, God's got his hands out. We have to have that faith in God. That's all. This is what God asks us to do. Believe in Jesus Christ as his only begotten son and have faith in him. And pray through the Holy Spirit to guide you through the scripture, the study, and show thyself approved. Read the instruction manual, brothers and sisters. Read the instruction manual. And Jesus talks to the Pharisees. He talks to the disciples quite often. Um, 
in this thing in uh, Mark chapter 4. And he's talking when he was uh, in the ship now at sea and he was standing on the ship and speaking to multitudes and all this. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. And this is uh, in, in chapter four, you should read this because it describes Christians and what we should be doing. And he taught many things by parables. And then when he was talking about the sower and the seeds and the fruit, um, in verse 9, I'm going to jump over there because I'm going to, it's very important that you read this chapter. It's, it's good. But I don't want to get too carried away here. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Again, brothers and sisters, spiritual ears. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. So then he had explained to them the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. There's that terminology again, the mystery of the kingdom of God. It is a mystery. But unto them that are without, all things are done in parables. Jesus is telling them that if you have a spiritual ear and spiritual eyes that you can see the word, you can understand it. And if you have spiritual ears, you'll be able to understand what Jesus was teaching but also with spiritual ears, if you need clarification, lean into God and ask. He likes that. He is our good father. He's not going to get upset and say, what? Don't you get what I just wrote? Don't you get what you just read? God will never do that. God will share the Holy Spirit with you and guide you through what was written. That's where he is. That's what he is. That's how he is. Brothers and sisters, it's very important that we stay in this instruction manual. We have to stay in the words, and it's, it's important that we follow the directions. If you only read it in part, and you only read the good parts, then when the shadowy stuff that's going on out there Instead of ignoring it, getting afraid of it and all these things, I'm not fearful of what's going on. I don't like what's going on because I fear for my country, I fear for my brothers and sisters, and I feel for what's going on around. I do have a fear. I'm not fearful because I know that God is with me. I know that God hears my prayers and when I cry out for your strength, your uprightness, your courage, your boldness, and for a hedge around you, my brothers and sisters, I do that. I pray for these elected officials that I talk my uh, righteous anger about, but I pray for them because that's what we are told to do, to pray for one another. And Paul wrote that we are to pray for the kings and princes. 
presidents and the elected officials, the governors and mayors. We're supposed to pray for them so that they have good, sound teachings and guidance for the people that they're supposed to be taking care of. That's what we're told to do. Brothers and sisters, it's quite late or early in the morning, depending on the point of view. I've worked today, but it's important that I share with you because God tells me to. And the Holy Spirit had these things stirred up for me to share with you because of so much that's going on in the world. But brothers and sisters, know this truth. I've told you, try my spirit. I don't make things up. I tell you the truth. These things that are going on out there, remember, wars and rumors of wars. Only the beginning of sorrows. And they are actively seeking out people that are claiming to be Christian or have faith in God. And if they have a Bible, these these wicked, wicked people are killing them. Be strong, brothers and sisters. Have faith. Be bold and upright. And how much higher am I than Jesus Christ who stepped off his throne, set down his crown, and said, I'm going down there for Raven because I love him. And yes, brothers and sisters, I speak in a somewhat uh, selfish tonation because it, it drives my heart when I speak. I usually write that in my journal. I don't, uh, I don't share because he came for all of us. But when I write down in my journal, I say me. How much higher and how much greater Am I then my Lord Jesus Christ who came and sacrificed himself for me, for us, for the world, that whosoever, whosoever. So they come, they see me with my Bible. So be it. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Even so come. Abba Yahweh Amman. Yeshua Amman. Paracletos. Amen. Ah,